Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. In the episode today, I'm joined by Master of the Persuasive Arts, the one and only Corporate Bro. Corporate and I are going to be talking all about common sales mistakes, the impact they have on ourselves and also our customers, both from a selling and a management point of view. Why do people sometimes fall in the trap of doing them? And most importantly, how can these be avoided? So sit back, grab a pen and pad, be prepared for a laugh and enjoy. Corporate Bro, welcome. Thank you, sir. It's good to be here. It's good to have you on another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Thanks for taking time out of your um, probably quite hectic and busy schedule. No worries. It's it's an honor. For those that, uh, you know, have probably been living under a rock or maybe aren't too familiar with the world of LinkedIn or Instagram for some reason. I have no idea why. Uh, would you mind just giving them a bit of an insight into who you are and the man who is Corporate Brian? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, if you don't know who I am, fuck off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, my name's Corporate Bro. Uh, you know, I am a salesman, that dirty word, uh, master of the persuasive arts or a uh, self-proclaimed guru, if you will. Um, you know, I like to think of it as I'm the Robin Hood of sales, a peasant, you know, who steals from the sales elite and gives back to the people. I've sold uh, SMB, mid-market enterprise, pretty much sold software my whole life, though I started selling salad dressings for my aunt in a supermarket dressed up in a suit. That was a a good time. (laughs) Um, But one day I hope to be able to sell Girl Scout cookies. You know, that's the world I want to live in, one where I can sell Girl Scout cookies. Nice. Nice. Well put there. I think everyone gets a bit of an idea now what you're about. <laughs> <laughs> we all need a dream. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'd love to delve into a bit more around the man that is Corporate Bro a bit later on. But um, I suppose moving on to our our topic today and the reason, I suppose, you know, why I started following you, why a lot of other people started following you is you know, being able to relate to some of the stuff that you do for your videos and your content. And quite often it's sort of, you know, a bit tongue in cheek of what you probably see in the world of sales, the good yeah. stuff, the cheesy stuff, and probably the bad stuff, which is kind of like around these kind of <laughs> sales mistakes. Although some people probably don't even perceive them as mistakes. It's more like their way of selling. Um, yeah. But what do you think of like, when you think of mistakes, like what, what, not necessarily what types of, mis- not what mistakes we're talking about here, but what types of mistakes? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, when a lot of people get into sales, uh, they try to be, something that they're not as cheesy as that sounds you know at the end of the day you know people ask me all the time they're like you know who's your favorite sales trainer or guru or this or that and for me it's whoever resonates with you you know i think the people i've learned the most from aren't you know the personalities they're the people i work with the people who are good at the companies that i've been at and i try to pull pieces from them but you you can't force yourself into a mold if people are you know outgoing and bubbly you know it's gonna be hard to be a monotoned uh you know consummate professional, if you will. You know, I like to, I like to bring humor to my sales calls. Uh, sometimes that crashes and burns and people say that I'm unprofessional and you know what, that does happen at times, but other people it works with, I think, you know, the moral of the story with that is, you know, people try to force themselves into a mold or off of a scroll off of a script and the best salespeople are, are very true to their own voice and their own narrative. And if that's humor, then great. If it's, you know, very if it's monotone you know just answer the questions very directly and be very quiet that works for some people you know i have some friends who are really really cheesy with their bonding and rapport and sometimes that works really well 
you just, you can't force yourself to be something that you're not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the second one is learn how to say no. You know, I, I think people are always trying to please somebody on the other end of the phone. And frankly, you know, I'm going to tell you what we got and what it does. And I don't give a shit if you, you know, are blown away or not. I just want to show you the value that we have. If that fits with what you're trying to do, then great. And if it doesn't, then, you know, later, bro. Uh, you know, I don't want to try and force a square peg into a round hole. If if we can't do what you want, I will say no. And I think people struggle with that. They want to, you know, bullshit their way through, you know, kind of hesitate. Well, you know, we can do this or we can do that. Oh, well, you know, I mean, this is, you know, this is also really good. You know, we can do that. And you just sound like a cheesy sales guy. And so I remember when I bought my car, an Audi A4, you know, super nice vehicle, um, yeah, the sales guy was, I was asking all these questions. He just kept saying, Nope, we can't do that. You know, yes, we can do that. Nope. We can't do that. And some of them were actually in my mind, they were deal breakers and I got over them so fast instantly. You know, he said no. And I was like, okay, well, I still actually really want this car, even though that to me was a deal breaker 45 seconds ago. So I ended up buying yeah. the car. And I think about that a lot. You know, we just want to please everyone. And that's just not going to be the case. Yeah. I mean, that, I, you know, completely agree with that point i kind of use the analogy sometimes if it's a bit like dating someone if you're going to get in a relationship with someone do you want to really start that relationship by just giving in to everything they want because it's not going to really be healthy and you're just going to right. kind of force it to start off with and it's not really going to please you it's going to be probably going to get into it and realize this is a this is a lot of work like i don't even want this right yeah you know she, she may be hot but that you know that only gets you so far you know yeah. three or four dates and then you know on to, on to the next one <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, just because someone's keen to date, it doesn't mean they're they're the right person for you. Right. It's it's about, exactly. about saving your energy as well. Like you say, you know, some people when they get into sales and even now have that mindset, even sometimes when you know you're chasing your target of like, you know, not taking no for an answer and just going down those alleys all the time. And it's just draining your energy and wasting so much of your time that when you do come across someone who is a good fit, you just haven't got that enthusiasm or anything. It's just been sucked out of you. Right. And there's something to that, you know, I mean, just like dating sales is a numbers game to some extent, you know, you should, and and some people will argue this, but I do believe in losing fast, depending on what you're selling. You know, if they're not into it, they're not qualified, you know, stop trying to force it. Like what the hell are you doing? Move on. There's somebody else out there. There is somebody else's, you know, business you can help money you can take. (laughs) Uh, and that's going to be helpful. It's going to be beneficial. You get paid and they, you know, get, a, you know, a product that helps them, you know, hopefully helps them make more money. Yeah, absolutely. And what about from, um, you know, throughout your career, the managers you've seen, whether they've managed you or stories from other people, what kind of mistakes or, or assumptions do managers make quite commonly in the world of selling? I, I think managers make the mistake that they need to have a style. I think a management style is uh, a farce. I think it's it's bullshit. I think you have to be different depending on who's on your team. I think you have to talk to people differently. You know, some t- people you can give them shit in front of the rest of the office, and you know, you know, they're still going to go out and perform, and they get motivated by that. You know, calling them out, criticism. Some people need to be babied. They need their handheld. You know, soft little snowflake. You got to do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea, you know, when I interview with managers, I always ask them what their style is. And I hope they don't say, well, I'm this or that. Um, you know, I still want a manager that's going to let me do me and trust that I have the discipline to get it done. But, you know, I, I want them to say, well, I want to, I can't answer that really. I, it's different for each person. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, one of the things that I've, I've experienced over the years as well is managers who seem to want to lead how it worked for them. And, you know, just because it was successful for them, this is how I want to be managed. They'll want to manage everyone like that. And it just right. is a bit old school and it just, just doesn't fit. And they're thinking, you know, why isn't it working? This worked for me. And it's like, great, it might work for you, but there's a lot of different people and a lot of different ways of selling. And that's the great thing about it is that it doesn't need to be just one way. Right. I mean, the best managers to me, they, you know, to get cheesy here, they lead from the front. Like they will get on the call. They will, they will mm. show you how to make a sales call in the company, in the industry that you're in, rather than telling you how to do it. You know, don't talk about it, be about it. Show me what you can do. You know, those are the, the sales managers that I see have uh, the most respect is, you know, we don't need your old war stories. And no one gives a shit what happened five years ago. You know, when you went you know, to a company that IPO'd and, you know, you were at 60% of quota, but we don't talk about that. But, you know, you got some shares and now you're a hero. You know, show me what you can do right now. I mean, think that, I think that's a lot of sales, you know. Yeah. Put it on the table. Yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. I think, you know, some managers just seem to think all their job is to report figures and to report back and not actually taking enough ownership of, well, if your team's not performing, it's down to you. It's, that's where it starts and stops. Exactly right. I mean, your your head's the one that's going to roll. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of, um, you know, some of the things you talked about here, what's like some of the negative and positive impacts that you can see when people get this right versus when they get this wrong? Well, I think, you know, one of the biggest things is how to manage emotions. You know, sales is one of those things where, you know, one day you're a hero and you love walking into the office, you've got your strut, you know, you're the shit. And then the next day you want to slit your wrist in the bathroom and, and cry. So the best sales folks, in my opinion, are the ones that you can't tell where they're at. They are the consummate pro. They are who they are, no matter what the situation is, you know, whether they are desperate as hell for that deal or they are about to hit their accelerators and they don't care. Um, those are the people to me that, that I hire. You know, I, I don't want, you know, front runners um, or, or whiners. I mean, there's a time and a place to whine. Don't get me wrong. Happy hour after work with the rest of the team talking about how much better we could run the company. That's, you know, great spot for that. Talk about, you know, how you would run the company better and how quotas bullshit and all that. I'm, I'm all about that. Um, but during the workday, you know, prospects can feel desperation. And the people around you can feel when you're acting like a little bitch. You know, it's one of those yeah. things that people will feed off that and you don't want to be that volatile, emotional person in sales. And I think that's the hardest thing to learn. You're going to get rejected. People are going to tell you to, you know, to kill yourself. You know, I, the very first call I had, I was working at Oracle. What up, Oracle? Um, that's where, you know, Corporate Bro was born at Oracle. And the first, very first call I got on as an SDR, uh, BDR sales development rep, the guy told me that, I was responsible for breaking the internet and that I should blow him. And my manager was on the call and then he hung up, the guy hung up on me and he was like, well, welcome to sales. That was the very <laughs> first call I got. And I was like, Oh man, I'm sweating yeah. right now. I feel really bad about myself. Um, but that was it. That was like the welcome to big leagues. You know, I think everybody has that moment. It was how quickly can you rebound from that? Well, I picked up the phone and called me, you know, made another call. That guy did not go to bed that night thinking about how corporate gave him a call, talked about trying to sell Oracle and how he can't sleep anymore, how his life is ruined because I gave him that call. People forget that as soon as the day is over, nobody, nobody is thinking about that sales call they got unless you are legendarily bad. 
or really good, you know, for that matter. You know, there, there, I still talk to prospects that I sold at old companies in different industries, yeah. you know, and those are the things that I do appreciate. So the emotional part can be felt by, you know, customers and, you know, your own coworkers alike. So I think that has a major impact on your own personal brand, but also your own, your performance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, everyone knows the type of salesperson or I've seen it or might, even, you know, think this used to be me, but thinking about linking success and failure to certain things that are out of their control. It's like, oh, it was a good month because the leads were good or, you know, this happened and that happened and not actually being aware of what did they do personally to attribute that. And therefore, every month which has those negative factors, they're always going to think it's a bad month because of that or when it was a positive, it's because of that, but never because of what they did. Right. Accountability. I mean, that's a huge, yeah. that's a huge part of it. I mean, and also recognizing, you know, one of the shitty parts of sales is that input doesn't always equal output. You know, you, mm. you could do all the right things and shit's still going to, you know, go haywire at the last second. You know, maybe somebody yeah. had a bad dream, you know, about you and they wake up the next day and they were about to sign a million dollar contract. They decide not to like, you can't, you can't do anything about that except, you know, maybe form a, a drug addiction or something in response. That's about all you can do, but you can't like, you can't put that on yourself there. You have to pretty much move on to the next thing and say, did I take all the right steps to get there? Did yeah. I put my best swing, you know, on the ball? Did I take the best swing and do all the right things? And so for me, it's knowing the numbers side of things. Well, I close 30% of my pipeline. So I need this many dollars to generate this many meetings to set this many meetings. I need to make this many calls or send this many emails. You can work back from that you know, and, and find your own process and obviously give or take month to month, but you, you do the right steps throughout the course of the year. You're more likely than not to hit. And yes, people have bad luck and shit happens. Like, let's be real. Shit happens. And that's why sales is so hard. Yeah. But you can plan for these things. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, earlier about saying, learning to say no. And as you just mentioned as well, getting used to no. I mean, I used to do door to door sales. That was my first job in selling going around, first of all, doing talk, talk, and then like loft and cavity wall and solar panels. And I'd knock a hundred doors a day, try and get into eight and close four. And I was like, starting off, I was like, oh my God, the four people I've got to find out about a hundred houses. And I was like, oh God, like no after no after no. And then I was like, just change your mindset. And thought, I just need to look for these no's. It's like a giant game of hide and seek. I just need to get, get rid of these no's right. as quick as possible and sort of dequalify someone rather than qualify them. And there was this guy, actually, I know his name is Boaz. He was a trainer in my old company, really very cool guy. And he said, like, don't look at it, as you said earlier, like, you know, input versus uh, equals output. Don't look at it like a funnel. Look at it like a tunnel. And he was like, you know, when you're looking to question people, thinking like, do they fit into my tunnel? Like, the further my tunnel goes, the harder it is. And right. I want to ask questions that are actually going to unqualify people rather than qualify them so I don't waste my time. Right. I mean, you know, door to door sales, that's the real deal. That's the real shit right there. People, you know, nowadays I sir, I don't understand that. I don't know how you did that. You know, that's, we get to hide behind our phones nowadays, though. I much prefer in-person sales. I, my conversion is much, much higher than, um, but that is where to me, you know, anybody who's done door to door sales or spent a year as a sales development rep, just hitting the phones. Those are where the best reps mm -hmm. are born. You know, people who just go right into a closing role on the phone, you know, obviously there's exceptions to this rule, but, you know, in, in my mind and what I've noticed is they tend to be a little less successful than those who have, you know, dug in in the trenches and, you know, taking yeah. grenades. 
Absolutely. Particularly, you know, when we're talking about managers, quite often in sales, you'll get managers that have been promoted from their role into a management role, which in itself has so many challenges because they're not normally trained to become a manager. But, you know, the more war stories you have and right. the more things and tough days you have and, you know, how you get over them, the better you're equipped you're going to be when you're a manager and you've got people on your team that are feeling that pressure and that pain as well. Right. And I mean, it's, it's just like in sports too. I mean, in my opinion, the best managers were not always mm. the best reps. And we have a tendency in sales to put an entire emphasis on someone's numbers as to, you know, they're successful while well, they did it, you know, so they can show other people how to do it. And that's not necessarily true. You know, you can help someone build a process, but there's the nuance, that narrative that I was talking about where they become themselves, they develop their voice. If they, if a manager can't help someone do that, then they're, you know, there's no guarantee their team's going to be successful if they can't motivate the team or, you know, know how to each individual needs to be managed. You know, they're used to being sharks, top, you know, individual contributors. They go out there and they look after mm -hmm. themselves, which is not wrong in that position. But when you become a manager, you got, you got to take care of the squad. Yeah. And on your point there, you know, you mentioned earlier on, you know, your style is, is humor, like focusing that way. Some people it's different. How would you encourage someone who's like listening to this with, if they're new into sales or they've been in it for a while to, to find their voice? Like what can they go through to, to do that? Well, I think it's just, it's trial and error. It's repetition. It's, it's diving in, you know, you just got to accept that it's going to suck. Sales is hard. Sales is shitty, but there's a reason that salespeople make a lot of money. And there's a reason that, you know, companies don't exist unless somebody closes revenue without that revenue. There is no other department. You know, people will say, oh, well, someone's got to build a product. Well, if that guy who builds that product can't sell it, then what the hell is he doing it for? So, you know, you got to realize that you're going to fail a lot more than you're going to succeed in sales. Unless you are an absolute monster, I would love to meet you and hear everything you're doing. But, you know, if, you, if you're a real person, a human like I am, you're just going to fail more. So you, you take sound bites, you take the little things that worked on previous calls, or you see reps that are good around you or having success. And you say, you take a little piece, a cheesy little line that they use or a way to describe an aspect of your product or value of your product. And you just start incorporating those things. And not to say that you go full script, because I don't believe you should, you know, be scripted. You should very much like sports. There's a lot of different ways to do things, but those people always hit a checkpoint along the way to get things done. So short answer is just dive in and know that it's going to suck for a little while and you'll find your voice. It's people who avoid the phone that will struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I think the longer you build it up and that sometimes overthinking of, you know, you've got the opposite of some people who are just like the planners who are like, I need to know everything about the product. I need to know what everything's, what he's saying. I need to write my pitch down. I need to have all my questions written down. And you pick up the phone and they're like gatekeeper and you're like, Oh, what now? And it's like, right. You can't, you can't plan for them. The best, the best conversations I'm sure you'd agree are the ones where you just go in with, you, yes, you still have a purpose. You still have what you want to get out of it, but you go in there with a kind of natural curiosity of like, I'm not going into that pitch straight away. I've got to, got to question this person, understand if they're even right for each other. Right. And that's one of the things that I always talk about right off the bat on my phone calls is I say, I don't know if there's a fit here. You know, I think based off of, you know, this, this, and this, that I think there might be, but you know, I want to have a conversation with you and see if, you know, it makes sense to work together or not. And so, you know, kind of like what you were saying is be okay. Also saying what you don't know, if you don't know how to answer the question, don't bullshit it. 
just say you don't know, or you'll find out, or you'll get back to them right after the call. You'll you'll ask someone. People appreciate that a lot more than some rambling, you know, BS. Mm. Yeah, and also people can tell it's BS most of the time because it just sounds like you are just making it up and there's no real kind of answer. And people then lose that trust and lose that belief in like what you're not just what you're selling, but like who you are fundamentally as well. Right. Exactly. People want to like, you want to have a little bit, at least in my opinion, a more consultative approach, you know, that you do care as cheesy as it is, you know, I, you want to, they want to feel like you are, your goal is to help them not close a sale. It's just the word sale feels dirty, but we, we say it all the time. We're in sales, we're salespeople, but to someone not in sales, it feels like a dirty word, but it doesn't have to be. And the true pros who are not even in sales understand that sales is, we'll call it a necessary evil. Um, but that there are people who are good at this job that aren't just trying to get, you know, sleazy and, you know, make money, which of course we are all trying to make money, but with, with a positive intent. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, other than what we've talked about, is there any other tips or things that you suggest, whether it's managers listening or salespeople listening that they could start doing more effectively to avoid these mistakes or like focusing on? I mean, the, the best thing that I've learned is don't give a fuck. Really, do not give a shit. You have to be light. You have to. The reason that I started doing Corporate Bro is to try and bring levity to sales because everybody takes themselves so seriously. You know, what we do is hilarious. I mean, it's, it is sad at times. It is miserable at times, but it's also really fun at times. You know, there, there are really rewarding aspects of sales um, that people tend to overlook. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot going on here and it is not as black and white as people want to make it sound. And I think that's one of the problems with sales and that's one of the problems with numbers. Mm. Just that focus. You know, you mentioned earlier on when you, uh, um, you know, started your career at Oracle around, that's where corporate bro was born. What's the, what's the story behind that? What was the, you know, the moment or, you know, the thing that made you think I need to start this? Yeah. Uh, so I came into Oracle as a, an SDR. Uh, they called it a BDC, business development consultant. So it was basically hit the phones and slave away for somebody else to close your business, um, which there is a purpose behind that. Um, but I was looking around and I was in this building at, at their headquarters, Twin Dolphin, um, which was like 5,000 salespeople just packed into this frat house across the street from the beautiful campus that is you know, what people think of when they think of Oracle. And I was looking around one day, I think it was like a month in, I was like, holy shit, everybody here is just a corporate bro. I mean, it's people fresh out of college, pretty much between 20 and 40, you know, still trying to hang on to some of their youth, going through the same struggle, picking up the phone. It was hilarious. And so I was like, all right, well, I got to make fun of this somehow. And, and I always liked making videos. And so I started making Vine videos, six second videos, RIP Vine. You know, I hear, I hear it may be coming back, but I'll believe it when I see it. And so I started making them for my team, you know, just dumb shit that happens in the office. Like all of our headsets were wired. So how many times did I stand up to go to lunch and forget my headset was on and it just ripped my ears like that type of shit, just the small things, just the little minutia of each day. I was like, Oh my God, this is absurd. So people enjoyed them, I suppose. And I kept making them and it got somewhat big on vine before vine disappeared. And 
I ultimately decided to put things on Instagram and uh, around 2015, uh, there were a couple articles written by incredibly reputable sources such as Bro Bible and Total Frat Move. Um, a lot of intellectuals read those those sources. And so that's sort of where it took off. Um, and I realized, wow, there's a lot of salespeople out there. And I guess this is funny to people other than my friends. And basically, since then, I kind of made a commitment, built a team, and started putting out a video each week, almost each week. Yeah. And, you know, you've, you've, you've seemed to, you know, have engaged with a lot of, you know, well-known people like Grant Cardone, Gary Vee. Uh, I think that was one of, that's one of my favorite ones. The Gary Vee one was just hilarious. Like, I've shared that around the office and everyone just like, that is, like, everyone could just like relate to it. But it's like, you know, it's just the right kind of balance of humor. And I think people really buy into that, even the people that you're sometimes focusing on as well. Yeah. I mean, so Gary Vee, so Gary V, if you haven't seen him, you go watch two videos and like, who the hell is this guy? Like, what is this? But the more I started watching, the more I started following him, I was like, wow, there actually is a lot of truth in this. You know, and that's his voice. His voice is appeal to the emotions. He goes right after the emotional and heartstrings and pulls on them. And he's really passionate. And I actually, I do resonate a lot with that, but it's also you know, when you're trying to put out a brand like that, you have to be a little bit more cookie cutter, a little bit more broad. So you can be like, yeah, it's a bunch of cliches. Um, but the thing about cliches is there's a lot of truth in cliches. And so what I try to do similarly is put truth behind, you know, some sort of comedy, like, or there is truth behind comedy, there's comedy behind truth. And he was a real, you know, easy target. And for me, it was one of those things where I thought he was the most ridiculous guy I'd ever seen. You know, i drank a bunch of beer and then just started writing stuff that I felt like he would say. And, and that's pretty much how that whole episode came about, you know, and obviously yeah. the goal was to get it to him. You know, I have a lot of respect for what he does, but it's hilarious. It's a, it's a little absurd. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the Grant Cardone one is a close second for me as well. With, um, you know, just the, just the mentioning about his wife and the other bits in there. As oh, well. that fucking guy, that guy, <laughs> that guy, that guy, uh, I have a lot to say about him. He's he figured something out, and I'll give him that. And I, you know, I respect his hustle. He's a little. He doesn't quite resonate with me enough. He's, you know, this might sound absurd, but he's a little bit too much of a douche for me. Um, but it works, you know. And his style works with, you know, a certain other, you know, group of folks. And if that's what you latch onto, you know, he's not saying terribly different things than Gary V. He's just saying them with his voice. So he's yeah. done a really good job of building his brand and his voice. Um, you know, he hasn't given me the acknowledgement I would like. Um, his wife has. Hmm. Think about that. Just saying. <laughs> um, so, you know, one day he'll recognize. One day I'm coming for him. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening to this grant, then, you know, hit him up. Yeah, Grant, let's go. I invited you to the NBA finals, man. Nothing. No response. God. <laughs> Didn't have to do that. Didn't have to do that. You you mentioned there about you know you're building this brand. Have, how do you obviously you're still in you know the world of sales like? Do people, Shockingly, I'm yeah. fired. <laughs> do people recognize you through the through corporate bro when you're selling to them? Like, have you had any funny instances where that's happened? Um, it's happened really well twice, um, and neither of them bought for me. Um, shocker, and they were. <laughs> It, they weren't decision makers. They were like, oh, I, I recognize you because I met them in person. 
and they pieced it together and they were very nice about it. Um, but I could tell it kind of, it definitely ruined professional me. Um, <laughs> cause there is a professional me. I, I, it happens a lot more with salespeople, obviously salespeople, are the ones who follow this stuff, prospects, not as much. I was selling HR software. So, you know, not to generalize here, but it was a lot of old ladies. Um, and they're not really hot on the Instagram game. So I didn't run into it too much. Yeah. And I did um, get kicked out of my office though. You know, oh, really? internally it was an issue. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can imagine, um, I, I don't really have a filter. That's real me. That part of it is real me. Um, so I think a lot of rightfully so these companies are fearful that I'm going to go after them, you know, for this or that. And you know, I might, um, but I wouldn't do it by name. I would, you know, the things that happen, happen in a, you know, a bunch of different companies. And so I do it because I know it happens elsewhere. They obviously don't have a lot to gain by me doing the things that I do. So I got kicked out of my office for filming there. Um, they were cool enough to let me do it for a little while, but it got to a point where people were interviewing at our company and being like, Hey, I hear corporate bro works here. And I've always kept it anonymous, you know, through the grapevine, the sales world, people have figured out where I work. They figured out my name. I start getting weird messages on Facebook. Some people got my phone number You know, I get weird LinkedIn requests. Um, What's the weirdest fun. LinkedIn it's, request you've had? I shouldn't say it. Um, people have said very sexual things to me. Um, usually dudes. So I'll just throw that out there. Uh, you know, my, the majority of my audience is sales bros, um, whether they're serious or not, you know, it's, it's pretty fun to actually engage with that. I, I really do try to respond to everybody who messages me, um, unless they're very mean to me, in which case I, my feelings get hurt. And then, and then I come back later and respond to them in a very mean way. <laughs> not really. I, I, I like, I appreciate that. I feel like when you get haters, you're doing something right. So, you know, it's a testament to that. This is actually starting to grow and become something. I didn't really expect it to be what it is at this point. Mm. So I do actually appreciate it. I respect that. It's not going to be for everyone. I do offend a lot of people, which is fair. I'm an offensive person. Yeah. But then I think, you know what, like you said earlier on about finding your voice that, um, you know, you can't be everything to everyone. And it's, I think some people offend other people in different levels but that's fine it's you know some people don't buy into people and that's that's cool that's it's, just what it is not thing. exactly yeah, yeah it is what it is too many people are trying to you know not if we're just getting bigger here in the world of sales too many people i think these days even in society are trying to please everyone and you know just trying to be a people pleaser and be everything to everyone it's like even if it's your friendship group or how you live your life it's like you know just be comfortable with yourself and who you are and then you know, right. people who like that will gravitate towards it and people that don't aren't worth your time. Right. It's, it's just not, it's not scalable. You can't do yeah. it. You can't please everyone. Never going to happen. No. Although I try. Sometimes. <laughs> really hard. Really hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, you know, not necessarily related to the topic we've been talking about today, but do you have any other advice or tips for people in, in the world of sales, whether, the, whether that's related to selling or maybe going down that route like you have done with that kind of personal brand that you think would be useful to know? Yeah. I mean, I think anything you do, like for me, it came out of not a love for sales. Like, do I love sales? No, fuck sales. I, it's, it is, it has taught me a lot. Sales as a core has given, has given me a lot, but I'm not passionate about 
sales. I like helping people improve in sales. I like talking about sales, but the the passion part of it for me was was comedy. Was how can I bring how can I make light of this topic that is so painful for so many people? Um, so anytime you're building a brand of any sort, there has to be call me a, a romantic here, but there has to be an element of love involved, whether it is helping people, whether it is a certain aspect of business that you want to help people do, you know, uh, Grant Car- you know, Cardone, he's all about creating revenue streams. That's a really big part of what, you know, his brand is about. So if you find that one thing and it happens to relate to sales or helping people or building business or whatever it is, you, you have to do it from the core or you're going to do it for a few weeks and you're going to fail People come to me all the time and like, hey, can you promote this for me? Can you do that for me? And, you know, they're like just getting started. And I will usually respond to the effect of, you know, if it's Instagram, for example, say when you get to 10,000 followers, I'll do it. Because to me, you got to prove a level of commitment. You know, like you, you're putting out a podcast um, and you're lining up guests and you're trying to, you have to be consistent. And if you're not consistent, then, you know, I'm not putting my name behind what you're doing until you show me that it's coming from a place of intrinsic motivation that you are doing it for you and not doing it, you know, because you want fame or money or, you know, DMS, Instagram DMS from people. It's got to come from a place that, uh, of, you know, an internal place. Yeah. I think, you know, it's quite common these days, you know, Gary V talks about this, about, you know, the new thing is being an entrepreneur and, people wanting to just set up for the sake of it do something without that real kind of motivation why and i'll be like oh where's you know what's going on in the world right now like where's the craze what should i go towards it's like you know if you haven't got any passion or love for it then it ain't gonna work and you ain't gonna survive the tough times it's gonna come and go real fast and then you're gonna be like whoa what happened oh i should totally start doing that again and then you never do it again but that's you know what like if you give it a shot and you realize that it's not that great go out there and figure out what the hell you don't want to do and, you know, you'll keep narrowing it down. I know there's a lot of things that you can go try, but a lot of people just sit on their ass and talk about it. And there's a lot of yeah. talk. Absolutely. Less talking, more doing. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, one kind of anecdotal story for myself is people always say they want to be in my videos. And I'll say, great. You know, I need, that's my biggest issue is I don't have the people to do the things that I want to do. And I'll say, okay, great. Well, then uh, I'm filming here at 8 a.m. on Saturday. Um, yeah, come on by. I'd love to use you. And then it's like, oh, bro, you know, actually, oh, man. So I've got this thing Saturday night or Friday night and I'm going to be super hungover. So on the next one, dude, next one, I swear I'm going to be there. No, you're not. Cause I'm not inviting you again. Like this, this is for me, 8am on a Saturday all day is not really work. Like this is what I want to do. And if I can't count on you for, you know, to be there at that time, then you don't actually care. You know, I'm looking for people who are committed to it, um, that aren't just trying to get in it for the sake of being in it. Um, and I think that's the same with people trying to latch on to any popular trend or wanting to do something big when their motivation is in the wrong place. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, do you know what? It's been a real pleasure today, Corporate Bro. Thank you a lot for your time, your insights, uh, your stories. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Love doing it. Thanks for having me corporate for people who want to follow you you know see what you're up to catch some of your videos if they haven't already how can they go about finding you in the world of social yeah i would recommend instagram at corporate.bro um that's the place you will find the most sadness which stands for sales are dope never ever stop selling 
I'm on LinkedIn, usually triggering people, and also YouTube. Same name, Corporate Bro. You can just add me on any of those channels. You can shoot me a message, um, and I will likely respond to you. So think about what you're going to say before you say it, because I'm going to come back at you with that hate. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thanks again for your time, Corporate. It's been a real pleasure, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely, Chris. Take care. Thank you. And um, you know, for listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Enough Sales Podcast. Hey, people. Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts, you can find me on Instagram, Not Another Sales Guy, underscore in each of those words. You can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing Not Another Sales Podcast. And also, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I go by the name of Chris Hatfield. So thanks again and stay tuned for another episode.